Thanks, guys. So if you've been uh, with us for a little while, um, we've been unpacking our new mission statement. And the mission statement in the life of any organisation, but particularly a church, it's about what we do. The mission is what we do. And we spent three weeks unpacking the first part of our mission statement. And the mission statement is that, that we will partner with God in building up his church. And Kev said it, I think I've said it, that, that we still get blown away that God would choose to partner with people like you and I to build up his church. Um, but we're, we're partnering with God in building up his church by empowering people according to gifting. And we spent three weeks on that. So looking at you know, understanding part of our gifting and how we can offer that, but to understand how we're gifted, we actually need to understand um, who we are in Christ, but to understand who we are in Christ, we need to understand the person of Jesus. And so we spent three weeks unpacking that. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to unpack the next part of it, which is um, equipping people for works of service. Equipping people for works of service. So the obvious question I think that we need to start with is, well, whose role is it to equip people for works of service? Because there's a number of times in Scripture where it clearly speaks to the idea that we, we are God's workmanship created for good works in Christ Jesus, that, that Paul writes to a number of the churches and talks about this point that um, your salvation, yes, is a gift from God, but when you step into that salvation, there are things for you to be doing to show God, to show Christ to the world. We don't just sit back and have our own little personal ticket to heaven and not worry about anything else. And so there's this idea, well, whose role is it to equip people for works of service? Obviously, the answer to that is, well, it's the ministry team's role. They, they're the ones who actually get paid to be in ministry. It's their role, and we'll just sit back and allow them to do all the work. Yep. No, okay, no. It's our role. It's our role as the body of Christ. And again, there's a number of passages we could look to which would be familiar to you in terms of what it looks like to be part of the body. And Paul uses that analogy of the body in a number of passages to a number of his, his letters to churches. And, and I think it's a great analogy because all of us can understand a body because we all have one. And we understand that when our body is functioning healthily, um, then things are okay. There, there is health and there is vitality and there is, is um, ability to bless and serve others. But when something's not going right with part of our body, it, it actually has an effect on, on the whole body. And, and it's a great picture to see in terms of understanding how we are called to function together as the church, as God's people. And so the answer is that we are the ones who, who should be equipping one another. We are the ones who are encouraging and, and um, really getting alongside one another in terms of enabling others for those works of service that God actually calls us to. I want us just to sit in a, in a passage out of Ephesians this morning. If you've got um, a Bible with you, you've got it on your phone or whatever, grab that out. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. And some of this will be familiar to you because out of Ephesians chapter 4, um, it has been a, a, a foundational piece of scripture for many Christian schools, for many churches, 
It's a foundational piece of scripture for our, our own vision as a church and our mission as a church. And so some of this language will be familiar to you, but let's unpack a bit of Ephesians chapter 4, um, starting in verse 1, and I'm going to go through to verse 32, but not every verse. Um, so if you're reading along, you'll be able to just sort of skip through to where I'm up to. So let's just have a look at this. Ephesians chapter 4, it starts with this. This is Paul writing to a church. Okay, we are a church, Paul's writing to a church. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. We could actually stop there and unpack that for a couple of weeks. There's a fair bit in that. Be completely humble and gentle Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Again, if I just pause there, if that's all we did, man, this would be a great place. If that's all we did, if that was the only instruction we had about how we do life together, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. So much in that. But quite often, let's take a church family and let's shrink it down to a, your own family, for example. Sometimes we, we choose not to be patient, not to be gentle, and definitely not to bear with one another in love. We allow people to annoy us. We allow um, criticism to come out. We choose those things quite often. But Paul's instruction here to a, to a church, to a family, to a group of believers, to a, to a bunch of God's children living in relationship with one another. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort, verse 3, to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Not just when you feel like it, not when it's convenient. Make every effort. Like, there's so much in this and I, I find it actually really confronting. Um, because I can look at this and hold it up as a mirror and go, oh, I'm not real good at this. Not real good at this. Verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him... The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, 
build, sorry, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour. For we are all members of one body. Do not let, sorry, verse 29 now, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only for what is helpful, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's full on. What if, what if we had a posture of obedience to the word of God? What would our community, what would the church, and I'm talking bigger than Coast Community, what would the church look like if just that small passage of Scripture, we, we said, you know what, I'm going to be obedient to that. Regardless of how I'm feeling, regardless of my interactions with people in the past, I am charged... As a, as, a, as a part of the church, as a child of God, to do these things. And not only that, we're encouraged and we're charged to equip one another to do these things. That's a big call. Some of the things that are listed in that. Again, I stand, I stand convicted in some ways because I can hold that up and go, I'm not great at a lot of those things. I fall short in a lot of those things. So I thank God for his grace and his mercy in my life. And I thank God that he does not condemn me when I get it wrong because I'm not under any condemnation because I'm in Christ Jesus. But as I understand what he's calling me into, I need to be passing that on to you as well. We need to be passing that on to one another. We need to be looking at one another where, where we're getting rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and slander and we're being kind and compassionate and we're forgiving one another because we know we've been forgiven. But quite often we, we get really good at selective obedience. We, get, we become really good at choosing which parts we're going to take out of the word and, and actually be obedient to and which parts we're going, no, I'm not ready for that. I'm going to keep keep that fractured relationship or I'm going to keep that unforgiveness or I'm going to continue to be bitter. We're not called to do that. You may be familiar with our vision as a church and that comes out of this passage, verse 16. And in the NLT translation it says this, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And that's our vision as Coast Community, that every ministry of our, of our church, everything that goes on, that, that, that there is health and growth and love present in those things. But I love this. How do we help each other grow? The answer's in this. 
As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. And we come back to that body analogy. Take your human body. There's so many different parts of the body, different organs, different systems, different types of tissue, different types of cells. And as each part does the part that it's designed to do in a healthy way, it benefits the rest of the body. So we come back to what we talked about last week. How am I actually gifted? What gifts has God given me that I can uniquely contribute to this body of Christ and to the wider body of Christ, to the church? It's not just about Coast Community at all. We're talking about the church, God's church. How am I gifted? How can I do my special work that God's called me to do that no one else can do in the same shape that I can do, just like no one else can do the things that God has shaped you to be in a particular person, particular life experience, particular position, particular skills and talents and passions. How can we take those things and help one another grow? And I love the picture of this because it actually says, I am not a consumer, I'm a contributor. I come to this place, which is part of the the church of God, and I can contribute to the growth and health of other people simply because of who God has created me to be. It's a great picture. No longer are we just numbers or bums on a seat. We actually come with with a sense that, that God has placed me here deliberately because my presence here and this is true for every single person in this room, my presence here actually helps others in this place grow. Now, many of us might not have ever thought that about ourselves. What does it look like for me to bring my unique self with God's Spirit indwelling and bring it into this place where I can be someone who helps other people grow and, and understand God better and go deeper in relationship with God. Some of us don't think of ourselves like that and maybe never have thought of ourselves like that. But we can only say this because this is what the Word reveals to us. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So practically then, how do we do this? This might all sound nice, but but what does that look like on the ground? What can I step into so I'm in a position where I am actually um, uh, allowing God's Spirit to work in and through me so I am having influence in the lives of others and helping others grow? What does that look like? One way that this is possible, and, and this is not the way, this is not an exhaustive way to do things, but as a church, um, under Andrew's leadership many years ago, we came up with this, this tree of life model of discipleship what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And we came up with these, these things where um, we have the, the, a picture of a tree where there's the root system and there's the trunk and then there's the branches and the fruit. And we've divided this in, into areas where our healthy roots result in a healthy fruit-bearing tree. Jesus talks really clearly about... Um, you know, just these agricultural terms to help people understand how life works. And he, and he talks about tree, uh, trees that bear good fruit or trees that bear bad fruit. And, and there's this idea that, 
the root system is so essential, a healthy root system is so essential to a tree being able to bear good fruit. And we know that we identify trees by the fruit that they bear. And so there's this picture of the fruits of the Spirit that Paul unpacks to the Galatians, that that as Christians, the things that become evident in us are the things like love and joy and peace and patience. The people look at us and they see those things and it points them to, they they are displaying those sorts of characteristics, so therefore they must be a God kind of person because they're the characteristics of God. And so we've got this picture here of, of the, the root system. I just want to talk about that for a second. So there's three main roots that, that we've sort of labelled, and they are our spiritual life, so that's your life with God, spiritual friendships and spiritual accountability. Most of what happens in a root system happens out of sight of most other people. Okay, just look at a natural tree. We cannot look at a tree and go, ah, oh, I can tell what those roots are up to. We, we can't see it. It's hidden. And so there's this sense that, that the really important stuff below the surface is, is where the vital connections are made that result in health and growth. Below the surface is where these things happen. So the first one I want to look at, the main one, the big taproot, is that our personal spiritual life, our life with God. And this, and this is where it becomes personal for you and I. Now, the problem with taking this to an extreme is that we can get to a point where we're told that our spiritual life is a completely personal journey. And so therefore, we never share it with anyone. We never tell anyone about it. It's really just about me and God, and I've got my ticket to heaven when I die. That is not helpful. That is actually not scriptural, because we actually are actually designed to live out our faith within community, not in isolation. And so we've got this picture, life with God. How do I grow and mature my personal life with God? How do you do that? Now... Very basically, in terms of any relationship, you only have relationship with someone by spending time with them. You can't have a deep, meaningful relationship with someone if you're not engaging with them. And so straight away, there's this this thing of just how do we connect with God? How do we connect with the person of Jesus Christ? How is the Holy Spirit working in you and through you and moulding you to to build that relationship with with God? And so the life with God is really, really important. Listen to this passage out of Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Paul, again talking to the church, he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. What a great prayer to pray for for others. I pray that you would go deeper in your relationship with God so you may know him better. Now, there's an old saying, many teachers would have said it, that, that you, know, you, you become like the people you hang around. Let's take that and put it into this context. 
the more time we spend in relationship and in connection to, to Jesus Christ, the more we become like him. What a, what a great picture. So our life with God, engaging with the word of God, engaging with this. Now, part of the struggle with this is a lot of us find this really difficult to do. A lot of us give time and energy to so many other things other than engaging with the Word of God. Some of us try to engage with the Word of God and it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to us. Some of us try to engage with the Word of God and we just get distracted. Some of us try to engage with the Word of God but it just doesn't seem to have much appeal at times. I don't have an answer for you in that space other than how about we pray, God, would you increase my desire? God, would you increase my desire to engage with you through your word? Find something. I've said this to many people. Um, If I ever listen to 2GO on a Saturday night, which doesn't happen too often, but if I do, I pretty much know every word to every song that they play. They play a lot of 80s, it's great. And why is that the case? Well, I've heard these songs over and over and over and they stick in in there. And there's something about the the rhythm and the flow of a song that you can pick up and, and helps you remember. For some people, listening to the Word of God might be the most helpful thing they can do. Listen to it on whatever format you need to get it on, whether you do lots of driving and you're listening to it in your car or you've got some sort of podcast or whatever. Listen to the Word of God if you're someone who helps learn stuff from an oral perspective. For some of you, it's reading. For some of you, it's, it's um, telling the stories to one another, telling them to your kids. And the more you can explain the story, the more it helps you understand it. There's a whole range of things we can do, but engage with the Word of God. Now, following Jesus, I mentioned earlier about obedience. Jesus gives this Sermon on the Mount. And even if that's just a place you you sit in for a year, I'd encourage you to do that. Five chapters, Matthew 5, 6 and 7. And at the end of that, Jesus says, you know, that great passage about, if you obey these words of mine, you're like a wise man, a wise person who builds their house on the rock. And when all these things get thrown at you from life, it will stand because it's built on a solid foundation. But if you choose not to be obedient to the things Jesus said, where does that leave us? And so there's this idea of following Jesus, reading the Gospels about Jesus, getting to know Jesus well, immersing yourself with the person of Jesus. This is going deeper in that personal relationship with God. And the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit in you that, that reminds you and convicts you and counsels you and, and reveals God and his character and his nature to you. That's the role and function of the Holy Spirit to some degree. So the, these three things combined, four things combined, this deep life with God, this engaging with the Word of God, the being obedient and following Jesus in what he's called us to and understanding the Spirit's role in us, all those things help us in our relationship with God. And we don't do this on our own. We help each other with this. And this is the next part um, that comes into it. So spiritual friendships. And I'll define a spiritual friendship 
as a friendship that actively helps us pay attention to God. All of us have, I would say, all of us have friendships to some degree. And a lot of those friendships are often built around a common interest. So there are friends that you'll talk entertainment with and talk sport with and friends that you talk camping and building and fishing and all those things that that we enjoy. Absolutely great. But we've got to have some friendships where those friends are actively, intentionally, and you're doing this for them and they're doing this for you, helping you pay attention to what God's doing in your life. Where the conversations you're happen, having with these people are conversations where God is central in the conversation. We've got to remove ourselves from this idea that, yeah, we might talk the God stuff at church or at Connect Group, but for the rest of the time, we're just keeping it superficial. We've got to get beyond that. And we do that, we get beyond that by actually doing that with one another, modelling that for one another, encouraging one another in that space. And it's a beautiful space to have. So how do we have some of these friendships? Well, through church family is one obvious way. But it's really hard to get to know people meaningfully in a group this size. It's really hard. So what if we brought that down a little bit and you're part of a connect group? And a connect group where, where you are building good relationships with people based on the common thing, the thing that is most common is that you are both part of God's family. Ministry area groups, whether you're in the worship band and these guys get together a couple of times a week to to practice and to plan stuff and to do all that and you're spending time in each other's spaces and you start to develop these spiritual friendships. You know, something that, that fits in, in both the spaces I've just talked to is the spiritual retreats that we run as a church. Again, another great thing that Andrew Renucci has just set up and it's been such a blessing to our church community. That you go on a retreat and you're learning some stuff about how you can go deeper with God, but you're doing it with others and you can build up these friendships through that. So if you haven't gone on a retreat yet, can I encourage you to step into that space? So there's a number of things that, that can happen there. And, and part of this, part of the idea of, of spiritual friendships is a couple of things that mark a spiritual friendship. A spiritual friendship, um, the topic of conversation I've mentioned. You know, God is part of that, which is really important. Um, a spiritual friendship generally will be energising for you, not draining. We all have had examples of friendships where it can be quite draining. But when there's this mutual um, edifying of one another. It's an energising thing. There's a type of friendships you come away from, you go, I'm so glad I just spent some time with that person. I've actually come out of that feeling a bit more alive, a bit more courageous. So there's, there's things like that. And, and there's this sense of, of, of you know someone and you are known yourself. Okay, so we move, move down from this superficial level of friendship where we have a couple of external things in common, but we start to actually be real with one another. And, and we know that whenever there's anything that's hidden in our life, when that's brought to light and it's actually in the light and people can see it for what it is, and we come back to those instructions that Paul had in Ephesians chapter 4, where we're not actually... Um, going to be vindictive and we're not going to be bitter and we're not going to be unforgiving and we're not going to be judgmental, they're the sort of, that's the sort of ground where these friendships start to grow and develop and it's a beautiful space. 
The last route I just want to touch on is, is spiritual accountability. Spiritual accountability. Now, having one or two people, one or two, we can't do this with a bunch of people, but have one or two people in your life who you give permission to speak into your life, to hold you accountable, to ask the hard questions. And this idea that they help keep us accountable, as it says there, to the kind of life that we say we want to have as a follower of Jesus. They're not your counsellor. They're not your, um, someone to direct you and tell you how they think you should live your life. It's you saying, this is the kind of life I want to live as a follower of Jesus. And you invite them into helping you stay accountable to what you say you want to do. So that can be a role of a mentor. That could be uh, part of a, a prayer triplet or an accountability triplet where you give permission to others to, to speak into your life. Now, for someone who has engaged in these things for, for quite a number of years now, I, I cannot speak about it highly enough. Before I had a mentor and before I was in prayer triplets, I thought I didn't need that stuff. So, what else? Yeah, whatever, good on you. Only, only weak people need that. I don't need that. Well, I'm a weak person, so I, I benefit so much from having a mentor and from having... Um, a couple of guys who I've invited into my life to, to ask me the hard questions, to, to speak truth to me even when I don't want to hear it. And, and, and I've been able to grow in that space because of that and, and I've been part of helping their growth happen too simply by engaging at that level. Again, a little bit scary to step into because there's a vulnerability there that we have to push past. But if our goal in our vision is to be in a place where we're healthy and growing and full of love, it's this kind of thing that we need to have the courage to step into. And that is available in this community. And it's a beautiful thing. So when we look at our, our focus for 2019, this idea of presenting yourselves, just think in context of what I've just shared this morning, this idea of presenting yourself as a building stone or as a part of the body that will contribute to a sanctuary that is vibrant with life, in which you'll serve as holy priests. Now remember, priests are people who help connect God to people and people to God. And so all these things about accountability and friendships do that in itself. Our focus for this year is, is just a, a narrowing down, a bringing it some direction and some clarity to the very thing that we say we, we are called to. And we are called to be a community of people that help each other grow. We're called to be a community of people that do that in a place of love. We're called to be a community of people that understand that each of us has a role to play in that. And we're called to be a community of people that does this in such a way that others can look at us and go, I want to be part of what they're, what they're doing. There's something attractive about that. The fruits of the Spirit are evident. I can sense there's something about that community that, that, that would be a good place for me to be part of. And, and what a great picture. So this stuff that all happens under the surface, your life with God your spiritual friendships and, and, and that accountability piece, generally most people won't see that stuff going on, but it's so important. 
to, to have health and vitality in those spaces so that the end result is we have a tree where, the, where there's flourishing that is visible to other people, where the fruit is visible and recognisable. And that's a great picture that Jesus paints for us. Equipping people for works of service is our responsibility. And if we all step into that responsibility, what glory and honour could we bring to God because we start to be the people that he's called us to be. Let me pray for us. So Father God, I want to thank you for the fact that you call us to do life with one another. We're not trying to do this on our own. It doesn't work on our own. It's too hard on our own. And I thank you that you paint this picture for us in Scripture that, that just says a life with you is not simply about trying to get to heaven when we die, but life with you, that abundant life, that life full of vitality is a life that starts right now. And it starts right now because of what you've done, Jesus, and it starts right now because of your spirit, your spirit dwelling in us and through us. And so I pray you'll give us the courage, us as Coast Community Church, but us as the church, that you'll give us courage to step into relationship with one another in an authentic way. You'll give us courage to step into relationship with one another where, where we have this sense that my presence here, that God, you working in me and through me, will actually benefit those around me. That as I surrender to you, as I allow you to lead, as I allow you to shape me and grow me into the image of Jesus Christ, that others will benefit because of that. And so, Jesus, as we have this focus of of a focus on you and towards others instead of ourselves. I pray that you would do something in this space and you would continue to grow us and you continue to shape us and help us understand that we are called to equip one another for good works. And we thank you that you're working in this space on our behalf. Amen.